Here's an experiment for you. Take passionate experts in human resource technology. Invite cross-industry experts from inside and outside HR. Mix in what's happening in people analytics today. Give them the technology to connect. Hit record. Pour their discussions into a beaker. Mix thoroughly and voila! You get the HR Data Labs podcast, where we explore the impact of data and analytics to your business. We may get passionate and even irreverent, but count on each episode challenging and enhancing your understanding of the way people data can be used to solve real-world problems. Now, here's your host, David Turetsky. Hello and welcome to the HR Data Labs podcast. I'm your host, David Turetsky. And like always, I try and find people in and around the world of HR data and analytics that provide a unique and maybe controversial, but always interesting perspective on the world of HR data and analytics. Today, we're talking to Abhishek Gol. He is a passionate data leader who loves to make a difference in the people's and companies' lives through data. Hello, Abhishek. How are you? I'm doing good, David. Nice to meet you again. Nice to meet you again, too. So, Abhishek, give us a little bit of your background and how have you gotten to this point in the world of people analytics? That's a great start, David. I started my career back in uh, with a bank about 16 years back, and I completed my graduate degree in MS in Applied Economics, and I was first in the job. And this is what really turned me on, and it kind of made the foundation of my career. I went to the bank and they sent me to a business manager saying, Mr. Rodney needs your help. Go and figure it out. And when I go to Rodney and, you know, I'm this young guy uh, in his 20s. I, I don't want to say the exact age. <laughs> his 20s, <laughs> just out of grad school, knocking on the door and he's so excited, so pumped. And Rodney, I, I, and Rodney says, hey, who are you? I never saw you on the floor before. I'm like, I'm a data scientist. And at that time, we didn't used to say scientist. Right? We used to, I said, I'm a new data analyst, fresh out of right. grad school. I'm here to serve you. And Rodney says, right. you can serve me by getting out of my office. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, it's not awesome, but it's a great lesson. <laughs> that, that's the, that I, I, I could not believe that this one interaction would be a pivotal moment in my life. And I had to really work with Ron, Rodney and the whole classic phrase of, you need to understand others first before being understood, right? So perfect. that was the perfect beginning of my career, which yeah. later on I came to realize. And since then, I had countless amount of these interactions and I have worked on, I've been fortunate, I should say, to be able to see the transformation of data science right from KPIs, analytics, Oracle, uh, sure. to Tableaus, to big data, uh, worked right. on petabytes of data and uh, being able to make a difference. I think I've, Last time I counted, I worked on 300 plus projects and I contributed wow. about $3 billion to the companies I worked with, either as uh, new revenue or optimization saved. Wow, that's amazing. And I've, I've been also fortunate to be able to work on, kind of, I kind of myself a rainbow career because I worked with marketing analytics, then I worked with credit sure. analytics, modeling, and then I worked with compliance. And I laid some of the foundation of the compliance analytics work. So I've been really fortunate to be able to work in a lot of different domains. And that's what I love, being able to come in and bring a fresh perspective, bring people together, build that DNA. And so this topic of people analytics is just part on being able to do that multiple times. I've seen this trend over and over again, that what really makes a project successful? 
And that's the reason yeah. I call myself a data leader or a data practitioner. I don't call some a right. scientist because I think we have matured the science so much, but unfortunately, yeah. we have not matured our way of thinking. We have not seen the arts behind it. There is a dirt of arts of applying the science. And we're definitely going to be talking about that with our topic today. But one fun thing that people may not know about you, Abhishek, you love making Indian tea. Now, I've been to India many times. I love Indian tea. What do you do to actually make Indian tea? I got introduced to Indian tea about 10 years ago. Actually, more than that, about 15 years ago when I was coming to US and I needed to learn from my mom how to make an Indian tea because that was my lifeline. Uh, that is still my <laughs> lifeline. And, and, right. and since I learned from my mom, I, I, I'm a, like a constant optimizer. So the tea became my passion of a way to start a conversation with people. And I'm a kind of, a, I call myself a tea toddler because if I'm in a new town, <laughs> I'm going to go and find a right. new find of tea. And so essentially sure. what I do is that I really go back to the basics of tea making, that what are your ingredients and what are the different things that you can do to optimize it. So if you think about a simple thing like Indian tea is made of milk and probably 80% milk, 20% water. Now sure. uh, I can make take it even further to say, do you have whole milk or half per 2% milk or 1% milk? Because if it's 1%, then I put less water. If it's whole milk, I put really 40% water. So uh, right. basically, and then you go on to the leaf and what kind of leaf it is. It is the Assam sure. leaf or there's multiple kinds of leaf. And then you go into what, and then I put special masalas in my tea. So in the like spices oh, wow. in my tea and sure. I kind of make the combination. So as I said, that I'm an optimizer, I play around with my recipe, but uh, <laughs> I'm kind of my, my wife jokes about it that Abhishek, you are the best tea maker and whoever drinks your tea, they, it's very hard for them to drink any other tea. So I spoil people. With so tea. what we're going to do, what we're going to do in the notes for the podcast, we're going to ask you to either give us a recipe. Okay. Or to link to a place where you found the best recipe. I'll right? give the recipe. <laughs> awesome. That's great. Awesome. It's a promise. Absolutely. Great. <laughs> so today's topic is near and dear to a lot of our listeners' heart, which is the return on investment of people analytics. And while I like to talk about the basics of analytics, I think a lot of people really want to understand the basics of ROI so that they can prove to their leadership what return they can get for making investments in, in people analytics. What do you think? It's a it's a great topic. I, I love I love talking about the value of analytics. And as I said, I, I, what really gets me going is what ROI data can give to the company, right? And if uh, and so I think any company in this world is only there for only one reason, and that one reason is ROI. Business cannot exist without ROI, so it has to have laser focus on ROI. <music> Okay.
Okay, Abhishek, our first topic for today is going to be around practical data science and people analytics. And I know people have heard me talk about data science a couple of times, and I kind of decry the terminology because, as you said, it's gotten interesting wording and it's got interesting meaning to different people. But let's talk about what is practical data science in the world of people analytics. David, that's a very awesome question. And this, uh, to the listeners, this may mean different things depending on their background their, or the role sure. they are playing. It may mean that if I'm a recruiter and I'm a college recruiter and I go to uh, every, every year, I have to go to 50 colleges and do 500 interviews. This can really mean that how can I do recorded behavior interview and really know which are the five people I want to bring on in-house, right? And automate the process. But I think being it's a, we just celebrated the Women's Month and Women's Day. I think sure. there's a huge yeah. amount of outcry this time I heard from women, especially in social media, is about biases. And I think that's yeah. a very, very contextual topic. And that's a very important topic. We all have found new voices. And I feel that role of data should be really big in identifying bias. See, for, for any organization, uh, whether you're a fleet company or you're a, a technology company, it doesn't matter. The foundation of a company is the people. And the, the biggest way people feel rewarded is the salary that they get. That's the foundation yep. of the modern society. There is a payment, quid pro. And uh, so it, it's fundamentally people analytics can link it all together. And rather than saying that I did a sample approach, there are uh, technologies, yep. AI can play a big role to understand bias. And I, I certainly yep. understand there is a lot of what I call genuine hidden biases because a woman may not be want to take a second shift because she has a kid at home versus a man gets a second versus a person or a man gets a second right. shift right. but certainly there are other biases that when it comes to hiring people when it comes to overtime when it comes to race gender there are a lot of different biases that are there which ai can bring together and instead of a sample driven approach it can be more a robust approach and and more of a certification and we've actually had this topic, we've talked about the topic of bias before. And in the episode that we had on AI, and even uh, the one of the latest episodes I have done with a CHRO, we talked about the fact that AI can be trained to look for patterns in data that may have existed in the past, not to repeat them, but to highlight them or or try and fix them. And using AI to pour through hundreds of millions of records in order to be able to look for those bias that you're talking about. Like, for example, like the one you mentioned, shift bias, where, you know, someone isn't offered a shift because the perception of the manager might be that the person couldn't take it because they have childcare responsibilities when that might not necessarily be the case. And so I totally agree with you. And I think it's one of those things that good people data science is going to be key to training these algorithms and training these bots or the AI 
to find the things that might even be biased by the person looking at them who is trying to look at them. Whereas the AI should be trained to find them, root them out and identify. And uh, that's a very great point, David. I think uh, people do forget whenever we talk about this, it's always a crawl, walk, run. We cannot change the past. Absolutely. What we can do is we can make a better future. And that should be the purpose of the organization rather than trying to, uh, sometimes people get caught off that I want that 100%, what is that? But when you are really starting and really doing a crawl situation, you're not looking for 100%. All you're looking for is where in the company I can add value. And this value can yes. be, I can find better people. I can find, I can I can tell my uh, female staff that hey, we are not biased or I did this adjustment because I, we truly felt so it has to be goal-driven and as well as it has to be low-hanging fruits to get to that outcome initially before we go too far. Exactly. And I'm sorry to interrupt, but the topic of today is ROI of people analytics. And I think one of the best returns that we could give as part of people analytics, and especially around this particular topic of practical data science, is giving back to our shareholders, giving back to our employees to be able to tell them we put a a stake in the ground that we are going to support not just gender equality, but race equality and having everybody have the same opportunity and everybody sharing in the opportunities that this company can have. And not only stating as a policy, but being able to prove it through measurement. And, you know, when we talk about data science, we talk about analytics, we talk about insights. One of the things we tend to overlook is that these are measurements. And these are either samplings or these are measuring the entirety of the population. And we can prove these things if we look the right way. And in terms of getting to that ROI and being able to prove it to our shareholders or our customers or our employees or the board of our board of directors, we can do it. We just have to have the fortitude to be able to And that is where I I really uh, bringing back to the discussion of arts of data science, because it's about attitude. It's about the mindset. And it, right. And uh, unfortunately, what I've seen again and again is that the data science mindset and the executive mindset are kind of two different mindsets, and it needs to take some time to imbibe the DNA. Typically, that doesn't happen if you do not have the right leader, if you do not have the right team, or you did not set your goals properly and being flexible. There's a, I, I see a lot of shiny object syndrome in the organization. Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> <Squirrel>. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, being an entrepreneur myself, I, I completely had to right. go and transform myself because I was, I, I was part of the syndrome, the shiny object syndrome again and again until I really had to put my foot down to my own mind and say, okay, this is not happening. I need I need to do better, right? And uh, so there are several mindsets and that's what I love teaching. I love teaching about the arts of data science because if you follow simple, basic, basic, basic steps, you would get to the ROI. It's about the framework. It's not about just the outcome.
So Abhishek, in that way then, how do you actually hire or find a good data scientist to be able to utilize that framework? That's a, that's a great question. And what I have found is that the number one, the first question is, what is your goal? That it all starts with, what do I really want to do? Right. And the second piece is, how do I create a smallest possible POC? And when I talk about the smallest possible POC is by bringing in an expert externally versus trying to hire, trying to send an executive to a Ivy League college to learn data science and come back right. and ask him to implement. Right. I have been part of multiple projects where somebody else took the initiative. They did not understand data science. They thought data science was going to make miracles because throw the data inside Python and you'll get the answer. Of course. And I'm like, Okay, right. how did that go? Well, and it's also the what is the goal or whose goal is it? Like, because you mentioned, you know, what goal are you trying to solve? Well, the answer that I would ask or, or the question I'd ask you is, which goal are we looking at? Is it the executive's goals? Is it the shareholder's goals? Is it the board's goals? Is it the head of HR? Because if this is people analytics, it's either going to come from the CFO or the head of HR or maybe the director of payroll, I, I don't know. But whoever actually owns that group, we have to challenge them and say, whose goals are you looking to achieve in making that hire? And then what's the question you're going to be answering? So the, it does not matter whose goal it is. I think what, what matters really is that you need to have a stakeholder. And that stakeholder should be open and the company should be willing to invest something, whatever that is, whatever that minimum amount they think they are comfortable investing to really go and do a POC, bring in an expert from outside who has done this multiple times. Because there are lots of small pieces that happens to interact. See, a simple way of a, a bias is how do you interpret the data? If you have the wrong right. person, the interpretation would be wrong. If you bring a classical HR person and show him the data set, show him or her the data set, the interpretation is going to be very different compared to a person who has done this multiple times. Yeah, but Abhishek, I, mm -hmm. I'll disagree with you slightly and tell you that I think even HR having a look at the data will have their own biases. And that's why, you know, I, I actually do think it matters whose goal it is, because to your point, the stakeholder, you're going to be ha asking them for an investment they're going to be asking you for results. And so their goal really does matter because the ROI that we're talking about is going to need to fit whatever their conceptualization yep. is of an ROI. And so if the CFO, for example, is my boss in this endeavor, and I'm solving a problem that has to do with recruiting, but it has nothing to do with cost, or it has nothing to do with re turnover, or something that really is fundamental to this to the CFO. Then I think I'm going to really have a hard time justifying, or they may have a hard time justifying my existence. And so, therefore, answering their questions may actually be how my goals get structured. So, so, so that is the reason I'm saying you need a strong stakeholder, because see, an ex an external hire can never right. come and Got it. Yep. He would never be able to talk to a CFO and convince him that this is the right thing to do. But if and, and right. I'll even challenge the stakeholder, like if you had an internal stakeholder and you do not have a say on in how things would be, 
then that stakeholder is not the right person to be the stakeholder. Because we are talking about fundamentally shifting how we approach that specific problem solving. And we are looking for a desired outcome. And being work as a consultant for many, many, many years, I know that we get called to do one thing and we deliver something else. And that is a typical, and it's not, sure. it's nothing wrong. The the thing is that there is a miscommunication between the entire team. What was the purpose and what ha- ended up? It's not that I did not deliver value. It's just that that communication gap exists in a normal organization for multiple reasons. Right. Right. Well, I think it's also because the goals are different in those organizations. Yep. And, you know, we've had, I've had lots of instances in my career as a, as a, consultant where I get hired by one person and then they drop out and then another person utilizes my services. And that's why I was talking about whose goal matters, right? If it's the person who I was originally hired by, but that person, to your point, doesn't communicate with that person. And so person A hired me, person B is the one I'm actually reporting to. Then if A and B <laughs> don't talk, then it's going to be the goals of B that I'm dealing with. And, and even even goal, the person A is going to look at those things that I've delivered and say, wow, that's that's not what I asked for. But OK, I guess I have to sign the check anyways because we yep. spent the money. Yep. So I, I think it actually does come down to, you know, hiring a data scientist and being able to have them train on the goal finding the right stakeholder and to your point finding the stakeholder and asking that stakeholder about their integrity not not asking them to be honest or dishonest i'm saying have them have the fortitude to be able to stand up for exactly. what they've asked for and then have a good or deliverable set of goals that can be achieved and have clear deliverables uh, to ensure that the ROI is either going to get met or get disproven based on exactly. whatever gets and I just want to add, like a lot of time when people talk about data scientists, they think about young professionals out of maybe four years, five years out of school, like um, Ivy League school. And I would just caution that this is not a job of a data scientist. This is the job of a data leader or a data consultant who has done several projects, at least eight, at least 10 years of experience uh, bringing in that know-how of how to engage people. Because we are talking about the goals, but the moment you start talking about implementation, you'll have to think about data, you have to think about a lot of interviews, you have to think about a lot of discussions, and bringing people along is something that is a very big part of any project that we talk about delivery, because stakeholders can only give access to the team and prioritize the team, but how you engage the team is the job of the data leader. It's not the job of the stakeholder to bring people along and give and support the cause. That is something that the data leader has to do it. And that's the reason I just want to caveat the audience that when I when we talk about data scientists, this is not a job of a four or five year old data science professional. This is somebody who's really seasoned in this environment. I'll also say to a point you made when you were introducing yourself, good data scientists are ones who've had experience across multiple types of data and they know what's missing. You might provide one part of the picture, like for example, just having HR data in an equation, but not having the marketing data or the sales data or the supply chain data or the finance data necessary to complete the equation. 
and to solve for the trouble or the problem or the the goal, as you mentioned before, could be the death of the project or the death of the consultant or the failure of the project or even worse, the incorrect interpretation of results that look good. (laughs) Absolutely. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by Turetsky Consulting and listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now, back to the show. So let's get to question three or the topic three, which I think is even going to expand on what we just described, which is the pros and cons of hiring or having data science in the world of people analytics. And going back to our topic of return on investment, I've seen a lot of big investments in people analytics that focus squarely around data science that try and oversolve a problem. So let's just talk about that. I mean, because there's lots of pros and cons. Let's talk about what what are the pros from your perspective? I I have I think there's a lots and lots of pros. The pros is as simple as having a better work environment, giving a boost to employee morality. You you cannot put a price tag to it. This is in this environment, especially uh, if you are a tech company and your attrition rates are fifteen percent, and you are Silicon Valley. It's immense. Just to be able to say that I we do this differentiates uh, the company with so many other people and puts uh, on top of uh, on top of lot of other talent that you want to hire. Right. I'm just giving one obvious one. Right. There are so many of them. Because at, at the end of the day, companies depend on people to deliver. And if that mindset, that morality is high, companies can do wonders or vice versa. Sure. I think one of the good, the, the key pros about using good data science in the world of people analytics is to be able to experiment, to be able to truly experiment and be able to prove and disprove theories that people have. And my favorite one is we're losing people because of money. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, typically we used to go to comp people and say, hey, we're, we seem to be losing people because we're not paying enough. And the compensation people would basically do some statistical analysis that looked at the market, which is, you know, what we did. And we'd say, well, no, we're actually paying at market for these jobs. Well, there must be something deeper, Right. Whereas a data scientist takes all of those things as inputs and uses a ton more to be able to use the data at a more macro level instead of the micro level. The other thing, a simple example can be just doing exit interview analysis. There is a whole lot of bias that how those questions get asked, who asked that question, what was the timing of it. And if you look up a decent amount of sample, you would be able to get a lot more insight into what's going on in the specific teams or companies or verticals within teams that sure. can really be insightful. And again, I think the, the question comes back to who is doing the analysis. It's the trained IE who can identify because as I said, there's a it's not a one-step process, right? It's a multi-step process until you figure out how to do this, right? And being and that person has to be able to influence the rest of the team to keep changing the changing how you ask questions, what questions do you ask? So it's not a one-way street. It's, it's being able to, totally. uh, what I like the word is the center of excellence. So if you want to really improve exit interviews, yes. it has to, data science has to be more like a center of excellence. And then 
you can continuously go from one one topic to the next topic to the next topic and that team can keep building up how to identify patterns how to solve for it how to change the behaviors abhishek one of the earliest episodes that we did was with Dr. Don Nicholson, who's a really very close friend of mine. I worked with her at Morgan Stanley in the UK. And one of the things she talked about was that when she was in HR, she didn't really have a good handle of statistical significance. And so when we were looking and measuring programs that we were implementing, a lot of times we were inappropriately looking at small amounts of data that showed progress and saying, hey, we spent money on training. It gave us a great result. Let's keep spending money on training <laughs> when there really wasn't statistical significance of that sample to be able to tell us that the overall population would benefit from the training. And now she came back decades later and said, you know, now based on her training, she would have looked at it differently and probably questioned the result. And so I think one of the other pros here is that a data scientist can tell you what's error versus what's a truly significant sample or a truly significant result. Whereas the untrained eye would make a statement based on, you know, interesting results, but may not necessarily be indicative true, of what's true. actually happened. And uh, the, the other thing I just want to add to it is that too many cooks spoils the soup. So though right. there is sometimes yeah. an urgency or though it seems that this is the problem we need to solve to yesterday, it's always best to start small. I think I see a lot of companies trying to just hire 10 data scientists and say, now go and figure out my chart problems. Unfortunately, that is a big right. cons that is not a, it is, it, there is some amount of time. Sure. And I think as uh, Warren Buffett says it, right, you cannot have a baby in one month by having nine women together. Right. And, and I think one of the keys there is that there is a need for investigation of something. But to go back to the original topic, it has to be about what are we trying to solve for and making sure that fits the ROI, the return on the not only investment of the people analytics and the data science, but trying to solve for the biggest problems that are business problems, not necessarily just HR problems. Because as we talked about before, just focusing or framing on one problem and not taking into consideration all of the benefits or all the issues going around the, the, the topic Absolutely. could lead to inappropriate Absolutely. conclusions. I have not seen a cons of data science. I've seen all the pros of data science. But I think the cons is more to do sure. with the biggest con that sometimes people come across is when the DNA of data science doesn't get absorbed into the company. And I have seen this with many, many companies, let it be retail, finance, it doesn't matter which industry it is. A lot of companies like are like finance companies, they're really good in doing a lot of data science in the early on in the process, like marketing analytics, risk analytics. But when it gets to servicing analytics, sure. they are not that good at it. They, they, they do not like to invest on that side. And whenever a new team gets formed on the collection side or sort of servicing side, it's very difficult for them to show the ROI because they right. do not get the right amount of support from the management or the right amount of time. So I think the same thing, it comes to people analytics, right. any new frontier where, where we are working on, the, the, the leaders and the stakeholders have to have uh, 
uh, an open mind and have to be able to willing to accept some negative results in the in the short run. And I think people uh, forget that failure is success too if we learn something from it. Absolutely. And, and that's the perfect point to end on because what I've told people many times is if you don't understand failure, then you cannot possibly Absolutely. understand the effect Absolutely. of success. It's never, a, it's never a failure if you learn something from it. Exactly. Exactly. So Abhishek, we've been talking about the return on investment for people analytics, and we did that by talking through having data science be a practical part of any company's people analytics strategy. And we then talked about how to then find and hire the right type of data science resources and talked about some of the pros and cons that people need to consider when they bring data science into people analytics. Anything else you Just want to want share? Just want to share that most organizations today have some kind of data science. But just to add to it is that they might not be the right fit for people analytics. We forget that when we when we are interacting with uh, especially employee behaviors, they might be different. And there needs to be some amount of uh, other specialists that needs to be brought into the team, depending on what you want to achieve. So uh, you have to really understand what we want right. to do and if the current team or the current leaders are the right for a candidate for it. Perfect. Well said. Abhishek, thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Thank you, David. It. Thank you for hosting me. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Everybody, thank you for joining. And if you enjoyed, please hit subscribe. And if you know somebody who might enjoy this episode, please send it on their way. And if you have any feedback, please go to the HR Data Labs uh, podcast area of TuretskyConsulting.com and provide your feedback. Thank you so much. Please stay safe. That was HR Data Labs. Please visit TuretskyConsulting.com forward slash podcast to review the show, add comments about this episode, or add new ideas about upcoming shows you'd like to hear. Feel free to be creative, but please be nice. Thank you for joining us this week on the HR Data Labs podcast and stay tuned for our next episode. Stay safe.